Amen. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And as you're opening your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19, I want to share this with you. We are actually coming into an extremely insightful chapter that talks about both depression and discouragement, which is the title of today's message, Depression and Discouragement. This is actually going to be a two-part series. Today we're going to cover the first portion of it, which is going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We're going to talk about the symptoms of it. And then next week, we're going to talk about the antidote, the remedy for depression. So let's go ahead and read the first 10 verses, and let's just allow the Lord to plant, first of all, the things we're going to talk about. And then as we dive deep into these verses, that he may just allow these words just to penetrate into our hearts. It begins by saying in 1 Kings 19, verse 1, says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that night and said, and he prayed that night and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. How amazing that was. So he ate and drank and lay down, and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, ate, and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Oreb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night that pla- in that place, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for you, for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. This is where we'll end. This is where we're going to finish uh, this, this evening. And I want to give you the insight before we get into the Word of God. I want to give you the insight as to the things that have been taking place so that we have a better understanding as to what what is happening here. I want to remind you that God moved powerfully through Elijah. He moved powerfully through this prophet of power. Remember, that was actually what they used to call Elijah, the prophet of power. They also called him a man of iron only because of just this faith and this amazing boldness and courage that this man had. And due to the worship of Baal, the God of fertility and rain, God decided, God Almighty decided to bring a drought into the land. And God was using this drought to bring the people and to draw the people to him. He was using this drought to make sure that the people understood that Baal, who is a God of rain, he wasn't going to bring rain for them. Remember, the drought had gone on for three and a half years. And the god Baal wasn't able 
to stop the drought. And why wasn't he able to stop it? Because he was fake. Remember, he's not real. He had no power. No, any other God aside from God Almighty does not exist. He's a, they're lies. They're deception. Yet people don't understand this. But as we read here, people were worshiping Baal. And so God used Elijah to bring a challenge. He says, I want the people to know without a doubt that I am God. I want to reveal that I'm the true God. And so he told them things to do. He said, I want you to, cut two, I want you to gather two bulls. Let them choose the bull they want, and I want you to cut the bull in pieces. Each one of you will cut the bull in pieces, and then you're going to put the bull on top of wood. And I want you to ask them, ask the prophets to pray to their God that he would bring fire from heaven, and he would burn the bull. He would consume it with fire. And so Elijah said, go ahead and you guys do that. You guys go first. So, of course, no fire came from heaven. And so Elijah does the same. And when Elijah prays, and he said a simple prayer. It wasn't even a, you know what, a profound or a, a no, I shouldn't say profound. It wasn't even an elaborate prayer. It was a very simple prayer. And in that simple prayer, God immediately brought fire from heaven. And it consumed the bowl that was even drenched with water. And so, as the people saw this, they believed that God Almighty was a true God. Since Baal never answered, God was victorious. He proved to them that God, the God of Baal was, was false. He was fake. And so, you know what? As this happened, people began to worship God Almighty. And so, as this occurred, right? Immediately, Elijah says, go ahead and execute all of the prophets of Baal. There were 450 prophets of Baal. And so every single one of them was killed. And as they were killed, people began to worship and acknowledge that Almighty God was a true God. And immediately after that, they acknowledged that he was a true God. You know what God decided to do? He decided to bring rain. The drought was over. He brought a huge downpour of rain. And so immediately with this downpour of rain, we see that Elijah tells King Ahab, get in your chariot and go down. You better go down because that rain is coming. And so as Elijah's going down in his, I mean, as uh, King Ahab is going down in his chariot, Elijah, with the Spirit of God, with the power of God, he outruns the chariot, if you can believe that. Amazing. And so they both get down to Jezreel. And this is where we are. And so let's go ahead and read verse 1 and let's begin to expound on these verses and allow the Lord to speak to us on discouragement and depression. Verse 1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. King Ahab, right? He shares with Jezebel, his wife, and remember she's a wicked queen, she's that crazy woman, and he begins to share with her what Elijah did. And what's crazy about this is that he shares how he executed the prophets of Baal. You know, when we see this, right, how many of us are frustrated when we see our family members, right, and our friends and our coworkers, when they see how God is moving through our lives, how God has transformed us, how God has healed us, and we bring the glory to God, and yet they still want nothing to do with God. Right, we see this. I think every single one of us has experienced this. 
And this is exactly what was happening with Elijah. Remember, this was a mighty miracle of God to bring fire from heaven, to consume the bull with fire. Imagine all of a sudden out of the sky comes fire as Elijah's praying to Almighty God. This was a challenge. It consumes it. And you would think all the people said they began to worship God Almighty. It doesn't say King Ahab worshiped God Almighty. He saw the people acknowledge God Almighty. But yet, he still doesn't change. Can you believe this? He still doesn't believe it. Because it's not, he's not, he doesn't go to Jezebel and tell Jezebel, guess what? God Almighty is a true God. Baal was a fake God. Instead, he begins to tell her what? That Elijah executed all the prophets of Baal. He doesn't even bring the truth out. He doesn't even bring glory to God. He wanted nothing to do with God. Just like our family, our friends, our co-workers, not all of them, but some of them. Hear his wife. Hear himself. He just doesn't see it. He didn't come home sharing God and the truth of God. And so immediately when Jezebel hears this, look at what she says in verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Elijah, right? He's in town. He's in Jezreel. That's where King Ahab is, right? They both went to Jezreel because of the waters, the floods that were coming. And so Jezebel sends a message to Elijah, it says there, and Jezebel tells Elijah, let the gods kill me if I don't kill you the way you killed the prophets of Baal. Can you believe this? She is saying, let the gods kill me. If I don't kill you, may they kill me. The way you killed the prophets of Baal, that's the way I'm going to kill you. And this woman, she wasn't messing around. She was upset. She was angry, right? Why? Because they took out her prophets. Imagine that. They took out all her 450 prophets. So she was a little upset. And so she says, I'm vowing to kill you, Elijah. And you know what she says? I'm going to kill you in 24 hours. 24 hours. Within 24 hours, you will be wiped out. So what does Elijah do? Verse 3 says, And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey. Remember, 24 hours. He was out. He wanted to get out into the wilderness. And came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that night that he might die. And said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Let's talk about this. Can you imagine this? When Elijah hears the message from Jezebel, Immediately, what does he do? He flees. He runs. Why? Man, he's afraid. Fear has overtaken him. He's discouraged. 
See, I want to talk about depression. I want to talk about discouragement. And I want to give you some insight when it comes to both depression and discouragement. We know that this, these things come from various factors. Okay, depression, discouragement come from various factors. Some come from biological, right? It's, you know what, it was inherited. Genetic, right? Some comes from medicine, right? There's medication out there that brings depression upon your life. There's also drugs, right? A lot of drugs are downers. They depress you. But this is not the discouragement or depression that I'm going to be talking about. Because I want you to know that depression is real. It is a reality of life in many people. And it can happen to many of us. I want to also give you another point, another interesting fact. Did you know that women get it twice as, twice as men? In other words, you, are, you get it twice as, or how could I rephrase that? You get it two times more than men. Women get it. But the depression that I want to talk about, I want to share this with you. This is the one that I believe the Lord has led me to discuss with all of you. Because the other ones are real, and they're, like I said, a lot of it is self-induced with biological, genetic, or medication, or drugs. But the one that I want to talk about is the depression and the discouragement that comes from the difficulties of life. This is what the Lord has led me to talk about. See, many of, these, many of this depression and discouragement, it happens with situational circumstances. And what do I mean by situational circumstances? Financial problems. That brings depression. That brings discouragement. Illness brings depression. It brings discouragement. Death of a loved one will bring discouragement. It will bring this depression. When we look at unforeseen circumstances, a major catastrophe in your life, or as we see with Elijah, a threat to one's life, this can bring depression and discouragement. And as we looked at this verse here, this first verse in, in verse 3, it brings me to my first point because I'm going to give you seven points on depression and discouragement. Why is it that Christians experience depression and discouragement? I want, to, I want to give you this because this is what the Lord gave me and it is for me to give to you. Why Christians experience depression and discouragement? And we get the first one as we look here at verse 3. It says, and when he saw that, he arose and ran. No, I'm sorry, in, in, in verse, yes, in verse 3 he says, And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Okay? When we look at when it says, and when he saw that, remember, when he saw that, they're talking about after the message that Jezebel gave to Elijah, when he saw that, when he focused on it, that's what it's trying to say. When he focused on the message, things began to move. 
it began to overtake them. See, Christians experience depression and discouragement when we focus on the circumstance. Point number one, when you focus on the circumstance, that's when you and I will experience depression and discouragement. See, it tells us here that Elijah saw the threat. In other words, he was focused on the threat. And because he was focused on the threat, what does he do? He gets up and he runs. He gets up and he runs. He got up and he ran for his life. See, any, any one of us can fall into this despondency. Remember this. We can fall into this behavioral despondency when we take our eyes off the Lord. We will immediately fall into depression, into discouragement. See, when we are focusing on the situation, instead of focusing on God, depression and discouragement will come upon us. This is why, remember James, when he talks about Elijah and in the book of James, in chapter 5, when he says, Elijah was a man like us. He was a man like ours, right? He, was a, he had a, a nature like ours. So he was a man like us, right? And why would he say that? Because he's reading this revelation. He knows this about Elijah. So he has a nature like us. He was just like us. Even though he was a, a prophet of power, even though he was a man of iron, he still had a nature like us. Some of us were on our highs, and then we what? All of a sudden, circumstances come, and then we're on our lows. See, when we keep our eyes on the Lord and remember what God's Word says, then we have a very good chance, a high possibility that you will not fall into depression or into discouragement. See, we got to remember the promises of God and what God has for you and I. When we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, remember, he's talking to the prophet Jeremiah, but he's also talking to us. He says, therefore, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. See, our God doesn't have bad things for us. Our God has nothing but good things in store for us. And when bad things happen, that's because we live in a sinful world. We can't blame God. This is what happened when Adam and Eve took a bite of the forbidden fruit, which if we were Adam and Eve and we were the first, we would have done the same thing. But we know one thing that if these things happen, remember God's promises. Just like he says here, I have good thoughts towards you. I have thoughts of peace. I want to give you a future and I want to give you a hope. And not only that, but look at, remember what it says in Romans 8.28? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, this is key. Yes, all these things that come at us, right? These things that the world, that's the sin, this sinful world that we live in, these things that have come upon us, remember that God works all things together for good for those that love him. When you love him, remember this, God works out all these unforeseen circumstances, these situational circumstances. He works them all together for good according to his purpose. We 
can all avoid falling into the traps of, of depression and discouragement when our eyes are focused on God. Just remember that. We got to be remembering the promises of God, opening up God's word. See, remember somebody with the storms around him? Wasn't Peter able to walk on water when he focused on the Lord? When his eyes were fixed on God, wasn't he able to walk on water? But remember this, when he took his eyes off the Lord and he began to look at the storm around him, what happened? He began to sink. But remember how good God is. Even in our situation, when we take our eyes off of the Lord, even when we're running strong, and all of a sudden we take our eyes off the Lord, and we begin to sink, God reminds us what he did with Peter. What did he do with Peter? He pulled him out of the raging waters, of the raging storm that was around him. He was there for him. No matter what, even when you slip, he's there to pick you up. This is how good our God is. God loves you so much. But what we see also in this verse is Elijah. What does he do? When he focuses on Jezebel, he arose and ran for his life. The next thing that we learn about depression and discouragement from Elijah is this, point number two. You will run and hide. Remember, as Christians, we will fall into depression and discouragement. And when we fall into these, make sure that you don't run and hide. You want to know how far Elijah ran? You can imagine. Remember, he just had a major battle, right, up in Mount Carmel. A major battle, right? And all of a sudden, he gets the word from Jezebel. He ran from Jezreel to Beersheba, a hundred miles. A hundred miles. Can you imagine that? A hundred miles. He was escaping the threat of, Jezre of Jezebel. Let me ask you, when depression and discouragement hits you, how many of us say, I don't want to be with anybody? How many of us say, you know what, I don't want to see anyone? How many of us want to go into our rooms and close the door and lock it? How many of us begin to lose weight because we don't want to eat? It can also work on the flip side when you, eat, you begin to eat too much, right, and you begin to gain weight. But one of, what we like to do is we like to take ourselves out of the world around us and put ourselves in our little world and focus on the problem. I'm going to share this important truth. Remember this. Isolation is the worst thing you can do. Isolation is the worst thing that you can do. When you don't seek to communicate with anyone, including God, this is the worst thing that you can do for yourselves. And believe me, people do this. We see Elijah here. Elijah here, I want you to understand. He hasn't communicated with God for 24 hours. 
He doesn't want to communicate with anyone. He said that he actually left his servant. He says, I don't want you with me. I want to be alone. I'm leaving you there in Beersheba, and I'm going to move on. This isn't the way God designed us to be. And especially when you are going through depression and discouragement, you know what God teaches us to do? He teaches us to go to him. Look at what it says in Matthew 11, verse 28 and through 30. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What God is trying to tell us here is that the Lord wants us coming to him. When you are hit with the heavy burdens of life, God wants you coming to him. God wants you to give him the problem. God wants you to focus on him. And this is why he says, and if you do this, I'm going to give you rest. I want to share this with you. Not only does God want us going to him, do you know who else God wants us going to? He wants us going to the people of God. Remember that. He doesn't really, he doesn't ever say go to unbelievers. He wants you to go to the people of God. Don't ever forget that. Why? Because we have something that we can help you with. When we look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, it says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies of our together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching what he's what I, what we have here is that he wants us exhorting one another he wants us stirring each other up in love and good works see because what we do for each other is we love on one another and we point one another in the direction of god where the world will say you know what they'll point your eyes where on yourself or on the problem but we know who to point you to. And not only do we point you to God, but we also what? We pray for you. We pray for you. See, we have a very strong weapon. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's prayer. And as we remember this, right, it's important that when you are going through discouragement and depression, come to church. Don't stay away. Many people would just go into the room. They don't even want to come to church on Sunday or Wednesday. They don't even want to come. They stop coming for about three weeks, four weeks. And the next thing you know is you find out there's a problem and you can't even pray for them. They're not even stirred up by the word of God. They're not even communicating with God, just like Elijah. It took Elijah one day as we see there in verse 4, it took him one day before he went to God. One day, 24 hours. He, he that had such a great relationship with God, when he was discouraged, when he was depressed, when it, Jezebel threatened him, he did not even go to God, but it took him 24 hours before he approached God. It says that he sat under a broom tree. What's a broom tree? It's not the broom that we sweep with. I want you to understand it is a, a, a desert bush that actually is about 12 feet high and it provided shade. And so we get a picture here of Elijah depressed and discouraged. 
And then he remembers God. Remember, he has a nature like ours. And what does Elijah say? It's enough, Lord. Take my life. For I'm not better than my father's. Take my life. See, what we see Elijah doing here is that he would rather the Lord take his life than face his problem. See, Elijah wanted to quit on life. He believed that he had failed against the prophet Baal. Just like his fathers who had tried to bring the people to God and away from Baal. But what we see here when he says, take my life, the third thing that we learn about depression and discouragement is this. Your desire is to quit on life. This is what happens. I want you to know one thing about suicide rates, so you know. Suicide rates are on on the high. They were going on a low, but all of a sudden, from 1999 to 2015, they are on the rise. Did you know how many people have committed suicide? Known suicides? 600,000 people. Not that Elijah wanted to commit suicide. I'll share that with you. But he asked the Lord to take his life. He was quitting on life. See, what Elijah saw, he saw that, you know what, that God, you're small. And that's why we quit. When you decide to quit on things, it's because you don't realize how great our God is. We see him so small that he can't resolve the problem that you have. And so what do you do? You desire to quit. You desire to just say, you know what, God, you can't handle this. And not only do you have a low view of God, but I'm going to give you the fourth point. You have a low self-esteem. You have a low self-esteem. When he was saying, I'm no better than my father's, when he was saying, you know what, it's enough, take my life. See, depression and discouragement, it does something to your self-esteem. You begin to look at yourself as a failure. This is why you're so depressed. Why? Because you believe that life has failed you. You believe that you have failed life. You believe that God has failed you. You begin to think that, you know what? God can't help. I can't help myself. I'm a loser. I messed up and that's it. See, one thing that depression does is it makes you lose all hope in God. We don't have the proper outlook on God. See, if God is as mighty and powerful as he is, what did God say? I turn all things together for good, don't I? God will make sure that everything turns out well for us. This is why we have Proverbs verses three, chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 to remind us of this point. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. 
The key to all of this, when you're going through a major situation in your life, an unforeseen circumstance, situational circumstances, the key is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, if you trust in Him with all your heart, then you know without a doubt that everything is going to work out fine. But when you lose your trust in Him, so you lose your hope in Him. Remember that. When you lose your trust in Him, so you lose your hope in Him. And this is why we have here in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we are to stop leaning on our own understanding. Stop believing your emotions. Your emotions are deceiving. Your emotions come. One day you're going to be happy. The next day you're going to be sad. One hour you're happy. The next hour you're sad. Can you really trust your emotions? They're, it's, they're like the waves of the sea. They come and they go. They come bursting with power. And all of a sudden they retreat in weakness. This is the way our emotions are. And this is why we have the Word of God, again, reminding us not to lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge Him and He shall, uh, he shall direct your paths. When we lose this, we fall into depression. And when your eyes are on Him, what does He do? It says there He directs your path, He guides you, He encourages you, He uplifts you. And you cannot do this on your own. Remember that. That's why our eyes are fixed on him. That's why he's the one that's bringing us as we sink into the raging waters. He's the one doing it through us as we focus on him and on his word. And as we go back to Elijah, it tells us that Elijah there in verse 5 that he lay and sleep on, he slept under the broom tree. Let me share one thing about discouragement and depression. One thing that it does is that it doesn't allow you to sleep or eat, okay? That's our fifth point. Remember that. When you are depressed and discouraged, get proper sleep. Get proper rest. Eat a healthy diet. See, many times when we're depressed and discouraged, we're not sleeping. We're up all night. We're tossing and turning. We're not eating, or we're eating too much, whatever it is. We're weak, we're without strength. Why do you think the angel was sent, or the angel came to Elijah? He came to Elijah to make sure that Elijah was eating and drinking. He wanted to make sure that he was fully fed and fully was drinking what he needed to drink. See, weight loss, change of sleeping patterns, they are all signs of depression. When this is happening to you, understand that you are discouraged, you are depressed, your focus is on the circumstances instead of God. This is why, as we see here, the angel came, but not only here, but look at what Jesus said to the disciples in Mark 6, verse 31. He says, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. You need to get your rest when you are depressed. You need to get your rest when you are discouraged. 
And then as we keep moving on, verse 7 says, And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Oreb, the mountain of God. See, we have some insight here. Who is the angel of the Lord? This was a theophany. This was an appearance of Jesus. Jesus came to Elijah. And this is so important for us. See, as the Lord went to Elijah, when he was depressed, when he was discouraged, he was making sure that he was eating and sleeping. And not only this, he was there with him. And Elijah is no different than us. God never said, I love Elijah more than I love you. Did you know that God loves you the way he loved Elijah? God doesn't say, I love that man more than the other man. His love is the same for all of us. And that's what's so amazing about God. And this is my sixth point for all of you is that when you are in depression or discouragement, know that God will come to you. He is with you. God is with you. See, he came to Elijah to strengthen him. He came to Elijah to encourage him. He came to Elijah to make sure that he was well taken care of. Do you remember when David was going through his problems? Let me read a beautiful psalm. We all know this psalm. Look at what it says in Psalm 23, right? It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. Is this amazing or what? How God just wants us to come back to this point of knowing that God is with us. He will give you rest, just like he did with Elijah. He will satisfy your thirst, as he did with Elijah. He will feed you so that you're not hungry, just as with Elijah. He restores our soul. His goodness and his mercy are with us. When we are going through the most difficult times in our life, we can trust that God is with us. And this is what we see here. And when this happened, you want to know what happened to Elijah? It says here, God says, time to get up because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he went on that food, that which he ate for 40 days and 40 nights. Isn't this amazing? God sustained them through this time. You know how far Beersheba is to Mount Sinai, Mount Oreb? It's where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. You know how far that is? 200 miles. He didn't eat. He was sustained by God with what God had given him. 
40 days, 40 nights. The trip was actually shorter, but God was showing him, sustaining him, reminding him, I am with you, I'm with you, look at this. And let's finish verse 9 and 10. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets. With the sword I alone am left and they seek to take my life. As God told him, get up, go, Elijah goes in a cave. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing there? You know what I love about God? Is he didn't come and begin to put Elijah down. He didn't come and say, you know what, you're a, I can't believe you don't even trust me. Don't you remember what I did to you, you knucklehead? He doesn't tell him any of this stuff. He actually tells him, what are you doing here? Not in a demeaning manner. Elijah, what are you doing there? You know who I am. And so Elijah responds, God, I've been faithful to you. But look at your people. They forsook you. They tore down the altars. They killed your prophets. I alone and left. They seek to take my life. I'm going to give you the final point. The seventh and final point when it comes to depression and discouragement. I want you to know this. Your reality is always fogged. Your reality is always fogged. What do I mean by this? Look at what Elijah says. I alone and left. They seek to take my life. I want you to know this is far from the truth. Remember in 1 Kings 18 verse 4, Obadiah, the servant of King Ahab, told Elijah, I have guarded and fed a hundred prophets of God because of me they're alive. Elijah forgot all of this. He's saying, I'm the only prophet left. I'm the only Christian left. I'm the only follower of God left. And then he goes on to say, they all seek to take my life. Was it they or was it just Jezebel? It was Jezebel. And he wasn't the only one left. Do you see how you're all fogged when you're in depression and discouragement? This is why you can't make decisions when you're discouraged or depressed. Because your reality is far from reality. Even though it's so real in you, but it is far from reality. This is why God says, don't trust in your own emotions. But these are the ones that you trust. I'm going to give you three to trust, three to remember. One is God. You trust in God. You know that his word is true. You know that his word is faithful. You know that you can trust his word. Don't trust your emotions, your reality, but trust in God. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Whenever I'm afraid, 
We're talking about fear. We're talking about Elijah was filled with fear. This is what led him to run. This is what led him to go into this depression. He forgot. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. The second to trust in is to trust in his word. Trust in God's word. Trust in God's word. Look at what it says in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. You can trust in the word of God. You can trust in what he says. You can trust in the promises as I shared with you earlier. He turns all things together for good. He has a plan for you, a good plan, not of evil, but a future and a hope. And then the final person you can trust in, people who love you. People who love you. And I'm talking about believers who love you. The key is always believers because a non-believer will lead you astray. People who love you. Those are the ones you trust in. Remember what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 say. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for the labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. We are a family. There are many people in here that are very close to you. People that love you. People that you can trust. Know that your shepherd loves you. Know that we love you very much. You can go to these people. Don't trust in your own reality. It's far from the truth. Just like we see with Elijah, it is far from the truth. You know, as we look at these things, you know, as we've been discussing just, just the Depression and discouragement. You know, next week we're, we're going to speak on the antidote, the remedy for depression. This is a two-part study, two-part teaching. And we're going to see this as we look into God and Elijah. And so... You know, as we've been going through this, I gave you these points only to see yourselves. If you find yourselves falling into depression or discouragement, you have these points. Remember these things. These, that's why as we know these things, these things work as a mirror to reveal where we're at. And let's move in the direction that God spoke to us today. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.